Well, good morning. I know we got a lot of people out and bug going around, but you know what? I'm glad to be here. I got a message for you this morning. It's, it's a little bit different, and nobody's surprised by that, I'm sure. So, but anyway, St. <clears throat> Jude and the Super Bowl all in one weekend. Who cares who wins the Super Bowl? <laughs> Not after that mess two weeks ago. My goodness. Awful, awful, awful game. But anyway, in, 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 uh, I got a question for you before we start. What do you think the number one question, the question I get asked most by you? What? No. <laughs> what question is asked more than either any other? No. It's not heaven. What's my calling? What's my purpose? What's my purpose? Semi. All right. How do I know God's voice? How do I know His voice? I mean. Years ago, somebody asked me that, and I said, well, if you don't know God's voice, how did you get saved? And um, over the years, I've looked back at that, and that, what I said to him was not true. You don't get saved by the voice of God. You get saved by conviction of the Holy Spirit and submit to God. He never talks to you about it. He sends the Holy Ghost to do its job. To convict you, and an anointed word comes along, and it and it and it it, it pricks your heart, and you come to Jesus. But listen to this. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Your faith was never intended for salvation alone. And a lot of people, a lot of different churches, denominations, whatever you want to call it, believe. That they're saved and they're going to be dutiful and they're going to study their Bible and they're going to pray every day and they never hear God's voice and they go through life and they just live defeated. But they're, but they're faithful. They're going to get there. But they're not going to get to the good life on this side of the grave if they don't know the voice of God. It's, it's, it's a game changer. It changes everything when you get saved, one, knowing the voice of God. And everybody's looking for the same thing. I, I found this out. They're all looking for the same thing. It is a still, small voice. Right? Right? With me, it's not. It's, what are you doing, Paul? It's very loud. It's very, I, I, when I hear the voice of God, I don't ever doubt it. I know it's him. But I was having a conversation with a leader, uh, a leader in the church the other day, 
And he said this, and, and that's what prompted me to, to, to add this to this message. It's, <clears throat> he said this, he said, you may have 10 or 12 people that act, actively hear the voice of God on a weekly basis. You're going to have you're going to have about 10% of the church that actually hears God's voice and seeks God's face and seeks God's God's instruction and hears from God about 10% of the congregation. And that's about the same with everything else. 10% of people do 100% of the work. We know it, right? Those people that are working and doing, God lets them know what he wants them to be working and doing. How do, you, how do you hear the voice of God? One, you work. You work. You do, you do something for the kingdom every single day of your life. You do something. And I promise you, if you are continuing in that toil, you're continuing in that thing, God's going to give you instruction. I hate picking on Jessica, but I, I'm just going to do it. I, I have no addition. I have no addition, idea of what she's going to say. <laughs> when you first started being the director of the food bank, did you know God's voice better then or now? Definitely now. Why? Because you've worked in it for so many years and God gives her instruction. Why? Because she's doing something for the kingdom and God's giving her instruction and she's following it. Sometimes all it takes to hear the voice of God is to step out and accept a task for the kingdom. It's just that simple. And people will struggle and struggle and struggle with it. If you just take on a task where you have to have God's input in it, you're going to hear it. It's just that simple. It's not as difficult as people say, as people think. I've, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I just don't know. I can't hear God's voice. Well, quit, quit praying and start doing Do something where you need instruction and your ear will bend to want to hear that, to hear the instruction. And then after you finish that task, you'll probably know God's voice good enough that he'll pick your next task. See, we're all waiting. I don't know God's voice. I don't know what to, you know, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm Sandra Sanford, my gosh, she, she. I, I, got, I, got, I, love, I love talking about Sandra. And uh, when we were at a little Baptist church, and I got saved, and, and then I started a new Christians class. And then I got called to a, to a church, the pastor, and, and uh, wanted Sandra to take over the class. And Sandra said this. <laughs> she said, I don't know if it's God's voice. Or if it's the devil trying to pull me into something. And I said, yeah, I'm sure the devil wants you teaching a new Christian's class. <laughs> and, and she did it, and she made that thing so much more successful than I made it. Was I, was I mad that she did a better job at it than I did? Oh, no. 
You want people to come behind you to do better than you did. You can, you can, you can be the, the, the tip of the spear, but no, you need the rest of that spear to accomplish the task. You want people to do better than you. You want people to do more than you. How many of y'all want your children to have more than you ever had growing up? Raise your hand. All right. Here we go. How many of you want your children to have a closer relationship with God than you had at that age? It's supposed to be that way. We want our children to have more. We want our children to have better. I want my children to know God's voice. So they don't stay lost for nearly 40 years like I did. And I knew the word. Anyway, let me go to my first notes here. <laughs> John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. This is not a suggestion. Look at this. He said, if you're my sheep, what's the first thing he said? You hear me. Bless you, Ginger. My sheep. I, I didn't even acknowledge it. I hear that so much. I just, you know, I'm used to it. Wait, that's, that's all right. Every night I get a sneeze fit. I'll do. I'll do. I'll sneeze 15, 20, 30 times in, a, in two uh, two minutes. Oh my goodness! It's <laughs> my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. If you're a sheep, he said, "You hear my voice. You just don't acknowledge it." I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to you. You need to know that voice and then do what? And then follow what that voice tells you. It's a very simple process. You hear me, you follow me. You hear me, you follow me. I, I, I think that I, I've, got, I've got a yearly devotional at the end um, the other day, and um, I was reading it, and it was talking about, um, how did I say it? It's about Bob Yandian, and he, the guy's a genius. He said that, that, that denominational churches are doctrine-driven. In other words, they have a doctrine. You're not going to have the Baptists and the Pentecostals are not going to agree. The Methodists and the Presbyterians are not going to agree. Why? They're doctrine-driven. But in a spirit-filled church, you are vision-driven. You're not bound by doctrine. You're bound by the vision that's been cast upon you. Vision, faith, and action. Vision, faith, and action. We all know how that works. And, and he said that, and it just, I mean, he, I read that, and I, went, I got up, went in, in the living room, and said, Jim, you listen to this. This is unbelievable. This guy's a genius. You know, I actually did. I mean, I, it, was, it was so good. And, and, and 
what happens is when you get doctrine driven, you're not driven by the voice of God. You're driven by the doctrine of men. If you're vision driven, you've got to hear God's voice because he's got to speak the vision into you. And then you cast the vision to where it needs to be cast. Are you, are we, are we, am I helping at all? I don't, you know. Well, I'm having fun, so I don't care if you do or not. No, I'm joking. Joking, joking, joking. Knowing God's voice opens up everything. Can you imagine going through life with worshiping someone that you've never heard their voice? I do not think it's possible. I don't. I don't have a... I just don't. I just don't think you can have a relationship with somebody that you've never talked to. I just don't think that that's a relationship. Do you? That's somebody that's duty-driven, scared to go to hell, and I'm going to go... You, my kid's going to go to church on Sunday morning. I ain't going to hell. I, I walked down the aisle. I said, I said this prayer. I got to baptism. And, and I'm going to go to church. That is not a relationship with anybody other than some imaginary. That's not a relationship. God did. How many of you know Jeremiah 29 11? Every youth in this building, you know, definitely know it because. Have a plan for your life to prosper you, not harm you, to give you an accepted an expect, expected end. You know, that's, that, 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 that's the youth verse. You know, that's the thing. Jeremiah 29, 11. How are you going to know what God's plan for your life is if you don't know God's voice? How can he give you the plan without the voice? How do you know your purpose without the voice? It's impossible. It's impossible. He can't give you any instruction. So how do you know God's voice? You want me to tell you? I'll tell you. I've gave you a few suggestions, but this is. Talk to God more. Whether he talks back or not. Talk to him more, and not about what you want or you think you need. You know, when I, when I, when I got to say this, I want to know your voice. I, I, I don't want to get this wrong. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, so I need to know that it's your voice and not my, something in my head. That was a fear for me when I was a new Christian. That was a big fear for me. So I said this. I pray, I say, God, I want to know your voice, and I want it to be the loudest voice I've ever heard. I don't want something still, and I don't want something small. I want, I'm hard of hearing. I want something loud. I want it loud. I want to know that it's you. I want it, when, when you give me some instruction that is the craziest thing known to man, I want to know it's you, and I'll act on it. But if I don't know it's you, I can't. I want my voice loud. I want your voice loud in my head. And it is. 
And it sometimes is not good. Number two, do his will. Hear the voice, follow him. Do his will. Well, I don't know his will because I don't know his voice. Look in the Bible. His will is right there. If you can read, you can know God's will. Without knowing the voice of God, you can still know his will. Look in the Bible. There it is. There it is. But see, what you're looking for is what your will is. So you really don't want the voice of God sometimes. I know I've been that way. I have a better idea than God had. It worked better for me anyway. Come on, don't laugh at me. I know a bunch of y'all been there too. You can get us in trouble. If you know the voice, when you do these things, you get more word in you, you study the word constantly. Stay in the Word constantly. The Word will speak to you. It will speak to you. Because Jesus is the Word made flesh to dwell among us. The Word, Jesus is the Word. And here we go. Simply ask. I, I watch TV a lot. And I really, y'all, this is crazy when I tell you this. It's, uh, I was really upset when they canceled Criminal Minds. I'm glad that they brought it back. I love the way that they track these serial killers, you know. I, I just, I mean, I've watched all of these, all of these shows about serial killers. I love, not necessarily about the killing, it's, uh, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that, what, they do to, what they do to try and catch them. They profile them. They, they, it's, it's amazing all the stuff that, that they do to catch these killers. So there was a, a show coming out, and I was excited about it. Jeffrey Domper. I was ready. I was waiting. I'm waiting for Jeffrey Dahmer because I wanted to see. I wanted to see how they caught him. I wanted to see. That. I wanted to. See, I wanted. You know. I was excited about it. I was ready to watch it. I'm being honest with you. All right. So here we go. I t- I get it. I get it on the show. And I went to hit play, and the Holy Ghost said, "Nope." So I put my remote down I said I asked a question I never ever 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 should have asked the Holy Ghost when he said no I said why and the answer he gave me scared me to death he said you don't have enough word in you to combat this I'm a pastor. Yeah, I do. No, you don't. I immediately went on Amazon and got a yearly devotional. 
And I tripled my Bible reading because, because if some stupid television show can, get, can take word out of me, I got to have something more to put in me. I know, I'm being honest with you. This is the truth. This is the truth. When the Holy Ghost tells you, you don't have enough word in you to overcome Hollywood, you're a bad pastor. So, buddy, I'm in my word a lot more than I used to be, and, and I I'm, and I'm, hadn't watched it yet. Probably won't. Probably won't. I mean, I've, I've started, I told Ginger about it. She said, oh, my gosh. She said, that's all over the Internet. It's, it's, it's a, the spirit has attached itself. It's, it's demonic. I said, well, I just know I didn't have enough word in me to watch it. But I got enough in me now, but I don't think I want to watch it anymore. I just don't, you know. Are you, are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm, I'm getting somewhere. I'm trying to get somewhere. <laughs> Everything that we allow to come into us affects us. The word says that the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That works just the opposite. Whatever you're listening to is coming into you. Whatever you're watching is coming into you. Whatever you're hearing is coming into you. And the thing is, what Jesus said about it was so cool. Matthew 15, follow me please. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand. Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth defiles a man. So everything that you take in, good or bad, it's in there. Correct? I'll tell you how to know who's winning. Just stub your toe and find out what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. You see, we talk about it, and we and we and we, it's, it's it's good for us. It's great for us because what happens? They come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I'm in the word of God all the time. I'm in the word of God all the time. But if, you didn't, but if you're watching Jeffrey Dahmer, it's, it's taking some of that word out. Like the Holy Ghost told me, there's not enough word to combat this in you now. So there's a battle going on inside everybody of what all you're putting into yourself, what all you're putting in. There's a struggle in what's going to win out. We have to be vigilant at staying in the Word of God to combat this world, to combat everything that's coming at you.
we have to have more word, more prayer, more fasting. We'll get personal here in just a minute. What you're exposing yourself to determines what comes out of your mouth every single time. Every single time. Every single time. There's no exceptions. What you put in is what's going to come out that defiles a man or a woman. Well, what... Jesus said it wasn't what goes in, it's what comes out. Jesus knew that what comes in is going to come out anyway, and that's what defiles you. Not what goes in, but what's coming out. What's winning that battle of good over evil, so to speak, inside of you. If you're watching eight hours of television a day, how much word do you think has to be in you to combat it? Are we getting anywhere? Man, I thought this was going to be a lot better. <laughs> uh, since, since I was in Botswana, um, Paul Trokel and I have become really, really close friends. And uh, we hunt together and spend time together. And it's just, he's just, he makes me better. And, uh, but we've been... We were talking a lot, and when we were in Botswana, he, he explained something to me that, um, that I had him go into deeper after we got back. Um, and he said this, he said, the church will only rise to the level of leadership. They they're not going to go any higher than that. If your leadership is not... Hearing from God, and they're not in their word, that's causing the people under them not to flourish. They can only rise to the level of leader. That's just why we had 12 disciples and he had the three, and it, it's just the same principle. It's the same principle. The church can't rise to any higher than the level of our leadership, and our leadership can never rise any level to a level any higher than the pastor. So your success, I've got to do my job. Your leaders have to do their jobs. They have to constantly put putting something in them so they can hear from him, so they can serve you the way that you need to be served. That's the way this process works. It's supposed to. All right, here we go. This is a, this is a rough spot. This may be my last message here. <laughs> I may not be after this one. So if all of that's true... It carries over to the family structure. Correct? Go to Ephesians 5 for me. Got it? Ephesians 5, 23. 
There it is. For the husband is the head of the wife also, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject... Now, just go back to 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Let's go to 24 now. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, let the wives be subject to their husbands and everything. Anyways, it goes, it goes down and it just says, the, the, the husband is the head of the family. He is the spiritual head of that family. Okay? Y'all heard my last point. You know, it, everything goes down, down, down. The husband is a spiritual head, not just of his wife. He's a spiritual head of the family. That's just when, when they're married, he's the, head of, he's the spiritual head of the, of the union. But that's only, then they have children. He's still the spiritual head of that union. He's still the spiritual head of that family. So let me tell you, in Romans it says, I think it may be an eight. I don't know. Um, it says, by one man... Sin entered the earth, talking about Adam. And through that, death entered the earth. So fathers, whatever, you mothers, y'all got, y'all good. We ain't going to mamas today. Do you know the reason we're in the, this nation is such a bad sh shape it's in? Because we've got five generations of fatherless children. They didn't have a spiritual head. And now it's not even on the, on the table. Marriage is just done. In a lot of, in a lot of areas, a lot of, a lot of places. Marriage is just done. I know a family in, in, in Castor, where I was growing up. And I've never known but one of them to get married. And they've all, they, all, they got kids with everybody. There's no spiritual head of that union. And you know what? They're a disaster. When a, when a man cheats, when he, you know what I'm talking about? When a man cheats on his wife, he's not just cheating on his wife. He's cheating on his kids and he's cheating for his kids. Because the sins of the father are passed down from four generations. If you want to know if somebody's struggling in, a, in, a, in an area of sexual perversion, I promise you it's not his fault. But he was born with that on him because his daddy, his granddaddy, or his great-granddaddy had done something that caused that to bring it into the realm. Are y'all listening to me? Do y'all know that there's four generations of fathers? The sins of the father. Doesn't say the sins of the mother. See, men take this and, and they, they, they misuse this scripture in, in Ephesians. I'm the spiritual head of this union. Yeah, well, well you're responding. Well, quit acting like a fool because now, now our kids are going to have to deal with what you've done. You're going to you're gonna have to go up and you're going to have to make your kids stronger and stronger in the Lord because of what their great-granddaddy did to their great-grandson. That stuff happens, and it comes into the family. And the father is the one that's supposed to stop it. But the problem is, like I said, we've got five generations of fatherless children. 
It's crazy. It's crazy. What comes out of that man defiles him. But it's what he put in there that determines what comes out. We have a responsibility to our children, to our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. Come on, fathers. This is, I'm trying to help fathers. I'm trying to help young men know how to grow up to be good fathers. Hear from God. Make it your mission. God, I want to know your voice so I can lead my family, so I can raise my children to be successful, so I can live my best life now on this earth. Now I don't have to wait till glory. I can live it now. Because I hear from you. And I'm going to protect my family. I'm going to lift my family up in prayer. You know, over the last 50 years, if it wasn't for women, the church would have folded You go into denominational churches today, women over men, a minimum of three to one still. And they got their kids lined up on that, on that pew, you know. I mean, I, I'm just talking traditional church, but where's the daddy? He's sleeping one off or deer hunting. Just got a new live scope. I'm going to go white perch fishing in the morning. And that is cast down on your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids and your great-great-great-grandkids. What you do here, whether it's in private or in public, it still counts. It still counts. If you cheat on your wife, you're cheating on your kids. And there's a very good chance that they're going to grow up to be cheaters too, just like you. Come on. Yeah, amen. I knew I wasn't going to get a bunch of amens today. Okay, I get that. Amen, Paul. I get it. Praise the Lord. It's just. I'm here for you, buddy. I need some help right now. I need. I need, I need. Amen. <laughs> oh. When a father goes to church with his children, 93% of those children will grow up to attend church regularly when they're adults. When the, woman, when the mother attends church and takes the kids with her, 17% of those children will go to church as adults. You tell me why. Because the father's the spiritual head of the union and the women have been pulling up and taking up the slack and it's just not going to work. It just didn't know, it doesn't work. Because it's not the way God created it to be. I, I, I got a friend, I've got a lot of friends that are in the same, but one of them is... is, is a lot of them are, but they, they struggle in, in areas of homosexuality, you know. And, and some of them have just given up and just dove in it, you know. And, they, and some are just they're dabbling in it. And, 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 you know, and I just I th- think to myself, 
of all the stupid things I did, you know, before I met Ginger, <laughs> man, I don't want my kids to deal with that. I just didn't. I, I just didn't want them to deal with that, you know. And then I said, you know, God, you know that this Bible, that was before I got saved, <laughs> you know. I mean, and, and you know, and, and God, once you're under the blood, what you do from that point on really carries weight. I'm not getting where I want to go. My great-great-grandfather on my father's side was a, um, well, his brother was killed in a shootout with the Dalton gang back in the late 1800s. One, not good people, but on my great-great-grandmother's side, they were very religious people. They were hope, rock, holiness. My, one of them was a um, circuit. I was reading it to Ginger the day. It was a circuit preacher. He rode a mule and he preached in, in the circuit in North Louisiana um, around the t- turn of the century, the 19th, 20th century. And, um, but my grandfather... He understood. He wasn't an educated man, but he was a smart man. And he, um, he taught himself how to read and write. Um, but he understood that he was the head of that family. And he knew that how he reacted was going to come back on, my, on his children and his grandchildren, and so he wanted to live his life in a way that he didn't start them out with a deficit. Oh, gosh, I didn't get that. Oh, live your life in a way that your children don't start with a deficit. Live your life in a way that your children are, have an advantage as soon as they come out of the womb. That they're going to live a godly life. That you're go- you've already put into them, before they were ever born, the things that they need to do to succeed and be a successful Christian in this life on this side of the grave. That's the most important thing. Know His voice. Follow Him. Be careful what you expose yourself to. As we've heard a million times before, this this quote, I don't even know if it's been used so many times, I don't know if it can be called a quote anymore. But life is just a series of choices. Choose life, fathers. Choose life for your children. Choose life for your grandchildren. Amen. Stand to your feet. I'm done. Men, come up here.